Hello, and welcome to the TV Drama Festival. I'm Anna Karugati, Editor-at-Large at TV Drama. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sarah Hammond, an executive producer at Two Brothers Pictures, the production company headed by Jack and Harry Williams, and known for such series as The Tourist, Angela Black, Liar, and many more. Thank you for joining me, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So what stories are you and Two Brothers Pictures interested in telling? Well, I think what attracts us, well, we're a writer-led company. So, you know, Harry and Jack, I think, are uniquely placed to kind of identify quite quickly which stories have, you know, the legs for serialized storytelling, which ideas have have that sort of, you know, have that um, depth and uh, kind of projection, really. I think the stories that personally as a producer I'm always interested in are both on the comedy and on the drama side. It's it's stories that have a point of view. It's those it's those kind of um, it's the ones if they have a point of view and the character has something that that your lead character has something compelling and very different, very unique, then it makes your project stand out. And I think especially against a really crowded marketplace, which it is at the moment. I think those um, those perspectives are really key. I think when you look at some of the shows we've done, Fleabag, for example, um, and, and Back to Life is another good example, I think, with um, you know, both with, with Phoebe and Daisy, they've both got very unique uh, voices and their sense of humour is just absolutely captured in both of those shows and is just compelling and really, you know, uh, intoxicating for an audience. And I think that's what sort of, really made those two projects stand out and made them attractive to the commissioners um and then I think on the drama side you know there's different there's different shapes of stories that we're attracted to but again I think it's those that feel like in drama it's 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 sort of what is what does it have to say why now why now is a, a really important question to ask yourself whenever you have a pro- you get approached with a project that that you like um you know it's one of the biggest considerations and I think when you look at Harry and Jack's writing, um, you know, shows like Angela Black and Liar certainly have a certain kind of timely nature to them. But I think also the other side shows that were big hits like The Tourist, tonally it just felt so different and so exciting. And I think, um, you know, that's something that um, we're always looking out for. And I imagine there were production challenges to being in Australia <laughs> with the weather. That's another thing that was, at least for me as a viewer, that was a huge draw. Let's take a look at this show in an area that I really don't know. Yes, well, that was a challenge. I mean, there's, um, I think we had to paint out quite a few flies that were on people's faces in in post-production. Um, and we figured out that's why in the outback they wear those cork hats. It's because... <laughs> It's because of the flies. So besides following a writer's vision, whether it's Jack and Harry or another writer, does market intelligence, like what buyers are looking for, um, also figure into the decisions of what projects to pursue? Certainly. I think I think where it mainly does, you know, you, you sit down with broadcasters a lot and they will tell you it's really useful, obviously, to have those general chats with them and so that they can say what has worked, what hasn't worked. But it's quite interesting because viewers you know we've got really intelligent tv literate viewers now and i and i think that they change their minds often and they you know the new becomes the old pretty quickly in in television nowadays so you know a broadcaster can tell you one year what they're looking for and then six months later it changes and especially if you're looking at streamers because obviously the algorithm plays a part, has a big part to play um i think one of the things that we always 
look out for in terms of kind of marketplace is is it crowded territory that's one of the things that actually often informs a decision especially if you're a genre show you know if you've got something that's pitched to you that's sort of set in you know kind of space or whatever that might be you look at what has been successful what has been you know successful recently and what might kind of blow out of the water really and you sort of have a look that you have to keep your ear to the ground about what's being developed in that space um and then that can you know uh, that can inform your decision. Two Brothers Pictures works both with broadcasters and with streamers. Is there any more a difference between what a broadcaster is looking for and what a streamer is looking for when it comes to drama? Getting more and more similar, actually. Um, that's definitely something that we've noticed as producers. I think you sort of, you know, probably even seven years ago five six years ago maybe you uh there was distinctive things but and I think you know historically people probably always they wanted to go to Netflix because they had a show that they you know they felt like the people that were exciting that they'd make quite cinematic shows that HBO had turned down or you know so you could think oh that's a bit brave it's a bit different I'll take, take it to Netflix when actually I think they're getting a little bit more similar in the way that they um especially in the UK in the way that they commission you know projects that feel perhaps actually arguably a bit more mainstream stuff that feels like it's you know big hit big populist stuff that's you know uh, been big hits on the BBC and ITV and things like that that sort of actually feels kind of closer to perhaps what Netflix and even Amazon and some of the other streamers are looking for they all have their own distinctive identities of course but it is it does feel like it's getting like it's getting narrower between the two for sure. What have been some of your most memorable pitches to commissioners? It's <laughs> a great question, actually. Um, oh God, actually, one of my one of my most memorable pitches. We, it was actually it was a US pitch, and we were pitching a show, <laughs> pitching a beautifully surreal comedy series uh, in America that was about a talking cat. It was glorious. It didn't get made, unfortunately, and I'm devastated that it never did. But in our pitch meeting, our um, commissioner brought his own cat into the meeting. <laughs> Which, actually, I loved it. It was the perfect icebreaker. I can imagine. So taking any show in as ex- any drama show as an example, um, what is your range of responsibilities and how do you shepherd a drama from concept to screen? Yeah, it's interesting. EP... As an exec producer, because I started off as a producer, I could have went through the development uh, route and then produced and then I stepped up to execing. You're basically sort of responsible for it ultimately. And you're, you know, you're there from the very beginning and you, you know, you kind of, you look after everything. You're um, the sort of parent of the project, really. You work very closely with your producer too, to make sure that uh, you sort of develop the scripts, get them in shape, ready to shoot on time. Most of the time, fingers crossed, most of the time. Um, And then you work very closely with your producer, obviously, to make sure that you're crewing up properly, that your HODs are the right sort of, you know, the right creative vision. Um, And then the shoot has to run smoothly. So if there are things you have to change to the script because it can't fit it in the schedule, all of those sorts of things, you sort of oversee all of that because mainly what you're trying to do is just make sure that is the show that I fell in love with, the show that I pitched that I got everybody to fall in love with, is that the show we're making? That's the main thing. And I think then you sort of, that goes through all the the three stages of script development, shooting, and then post-production as well. So I've been hearing the production costs have been increasing. Uh, what factors are, are contributing to that? And how do you deal with those increases? You're still delivering quality on the screen. So it's a narrow line you have to walk it's tough it actually is tough and it, it became harder post-pandemic I think we've got we had um crew rates uh have risen 
And um, that is correct and absolutely correct, you know, that crews that they, you know, should be paid fairly and that the cost of living has increased. And also there's more being made. So there's, you know, less experience. There's, you know, brilliant new people coming through. But actually, there's sort of for, for a period of time, there was less crew to kind of go around. So people would hop off your project onto another one quite quickly if they didn't feel that they were sort of getting paid enough. So there was a little bit of that. That was a bit of a sort of mad scramble for a time and it does still certainly go on. Um, uh, so that's definitely a contributing factor. I think materials, actually building materials, uh, fuel costs, all those sorts of things started going up too. Um, so sort of uh, as you when you kind of look at it incrementally, you add it into a budget and it really can. Um, it really can blow a hole in it. So we've been fortunate that we've actually been able to, on the drama side, we have pretty healthy budgets. Um, uh, you know, they certainly reflect the, content that we want to make um i mean obviously it's always a challenge and you have to sort of make editorial adjustments um in order to make sure that you do deliver it on budget um comedy wise it is a real challenge actually and it's other producers i know in the comedy world it's uh it's you know they're half hours but they are you know still you've still got to assemble the team and get it going and and um you know other comedy producers i know the, the budgets for them are so low that it can be a real challenge to try to compete with some of the bigger things that are filming and get and get good crew um it, you know in those instances actually we've sort of been we've had really understanding commissioners and broadcasters who who understand that landscape and help you out um so if we run a calculation we're like this is how much the crew is going to cost extra from what, when we priced this up six months ago the broadcaster will sometimes step in and help you out if they're supportive so you mentioned the flies in the outback that had to be erased in post-production. What have been some of the other most memorable challenges you faced in production and how did you overcome them? Um, yes. So I think you, you've sort of got the general things, which are obviously, you know, I've touched on those. It's budget, isn't it? It's time. Um, it's, you know, quality and all of those, all of those balancing factors. That's a lot, a lot of that to balance. Um, specifics, I mean, obviously the flies in the outback was brilliant. I mean, not for the actors, awful for them, um, but they were absolutely consummate professionals who just, who really did deliver. So, um, you would never have known that there was a fly crawling across Daniel McDonald's face at one point. Um, she just kept going like a pro. Um, I think one of my favorite production challenges was, is working with animals. It is the old saying is correct. Um, they're tricky. Uh, the fox in the final scene of Fleabag season two, we were on set and it was very late. We were running behind time and we had our two little foxes, Blossom and Buttercup, brought out in their baskets by their very brilliant and patient animal handler. Um, but what we wanted the fox to do, I think perhaps in hindsight, I think we would have planned it a little bit better, but we were requiring quite a lot of the fox, which was to sort of walk, hit a mark, look at Phoebe and kind of walk on, which I don't think you can really ask a fox to do. And in this case, neither of the foxes wanted to come out of their baskets at all. And the poor animal trainer was um, doing everything she could to try to get them to come out, um, and including playing um, Coldplay's Yellow, which apparently is a very soothing song that the foxes really enjoyed. <laughs> so what we did, the way, how did we overcome it? Um, well, we, we did give them the best shot bless them at uh, starring in the show but unfortunately it didn't work out and so we shot a plate shot and we got a vfx box <laughs> which would have been the thing we should have done in the first place but you know what it's a story 
What can you tell us about season two of The Tourist? So Jamie Dorman as the man and Danielle McDonald as Helen Chambers are returning, but they're not in Australia this time, correct? Or are they? They're not in Australia. They are in Ireland, which, as the script says, is a little like Australia, but much greener. Um, so <laughs> a different look to season two. Um, I'll try and sort of describe it without giving too much away because, they're, you know, it's a Harry and Jack show. So it's twisty and turning and it's full of fantastic rug pulls. So I really don't want to give any spoilers away. Um, but you'll see that Elliot and Helen are, you know, back delving into Elliot's past and finding out who he really is. And actually they go back to Ireland because obviously that is where he came from. So it is revealed who his family are. And that's a very, uh, that's its own brilliant, intriguing story. So I think the main question for season two of The Tourist is Helen and Elliot have to ask themselves, is the past really past? Um, and can they forge a future together? Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. Now, there's an, a new show uh, coming out, Boat Story. How did that come about? Boat Story. Well, it's a brilliant. I'll tell you a little bit about it because I think that sort of will give you an answer as to how it kind of came about. It's um, So it's a show about two, uh, two strangers who are down on the luck, who are walking their dogs on a beach one day and they find a boatload of cocaine and two, two dead, one dead policeman, one dead fisherman in this boat. <laughs> and instead of calling the police because they're both so hard up on their luck and desperate for cash, they decide that they'll band together, that they don't know each other and they're going to take it and they're going to sell it, even though they have no idea what they're doing. But of course, these two hapless idiots are going to be pursued by somebody very, very dangerous and deadly. Uh, the tailor, who's the drug lord, the French international drug lord who owns the drugs and he's pretty merciless. So um that's the kind of premise of the show, which is obviously just so brilliant. Um, it came up, I think, because kind of as all Jack and Harry's great story ideas come up, they ask themselves, what if? They, they're very good at asking a what if question. You know, if you, it's the classic sort of you saw a 50 pound note on the floor, would you take it? And, you know, it starts there and then it develops into something brilliant. But I think also it came from a, you know, Harry and Jack, are, I think the tone of the show comes from a, a real desire in their writing now to play around with, uh, the cinematic, the thriller, but also a wicked and dark sense of humour. And I think the tourists just did that so brilliantly. But the boat story pushes it even further. So I'm excited to see what audiences make of it. It's uh, one of my favourite shows we've worked on, actually. Now, you've also worked on shows that dealt with complex or delicate subjects, such as domestic violence in Angela Black or neurodiversity in Dinosaur. How how do you approach those delicate topics? research is key talk to the experts always always talk to the experts i think uh so for angela black obviously two two very separate stories for our female uh leads um angela black it was you know we've got the wonderful joanne froggett in the lead and and so you know she is she does her homework she gets inside characters like you know no other actress i know so we worked when we were developing the script we worked with women's aid which is a charity for uh, domestic violence survivors of domestic violence they raise awareness they are they are brilliant at working with tv and film companies to make sure that the behavioral patterns of the people that perpetrate it are correct and accurate as well as the fallout of what that experience is like for a person and just making sure that you're honoring that story in the best way possible and that you're never 
um, that you're never kind of overstepping the mark or getting anything wrong. And Joe talked to them. She talked to, you know, she there was a lot of research done with that in the development of the scripts with Joe as a performer and then um, in the in the shoot itself. So we could always make sure that we were being accurate and truthful. And we've we we've done that throughout our our um, projects that deal with difficult subject matter, liar, very similar things, sexual violence. We, you know, had advisors on that too. So important too. It really is so essential too. You really can't tell it. You can't tell a truthful story either without uh, without doing that. Um, and then for dinosaur, it all just you know we had an we really were. It, it's really our neurodiverse lead Ashley story who co-created the show with Matilda. So because she co-created it and she's written an episode too she was it's her vision it's her point of view it's her perspective on it so we you know she's fantastic and they were both across they storylined the whole show together they broke the episodes together um she Matilda's written a few Ashley's written one but we also have a couple of other neurodiverse writers in uh, who've taken on episodes as well so we have two other episodes written by neurodiverse writers and we ran a writer's room with neurodiverse writers so always they were bringing authenticity to the project it was remarkable how, how brilliant they were and actually it's a real education as well for me as a neurotypical person to to learn what, what that experience of neurodiverse women is like and you know so uh they were fantastic in that and then we're shooting at the moment so during the scripture process obviously we had um neurodiverse talent involved but we've also got neurodiverse talent on screen every neurodiverse character is played by a neurodiverse person and behind the camera too we have training opportunities for neurodiverse people but we've also run the production with the help of access all areas who are a fantastic organization they are a charity and a theater company but also they advise um they advise production companies on authenticity of representation but they also help you with your access requirements so they'll help you design a call sheet that's easy for a, a neurodiverse person to um, interpret or um, you know if they've got certain uh, triggers for the day or anything like that that's all coordinated and looked after um, and access all areas did training with everybody who worked in the production about working with people who are neurodiverse so again research get surround yourself with experts because they know what they're talking about right so you've been very kind with your with your time uh to wrap up what are the biggest challenges you see in the scripted business today drama in particular and what opportunities do you see i think well one of the biggest challenges actually is something we touched on earlier which is that it's a very crowded marketplace so it's you know how do you stand out is I think the biggest uh when, when pitching a new show I think it's something for writers to think about producers think about it all the time you know but it's how do you stand out from all of the things that are being read by the commissioners all of the time um and there's a lot of content too again how do you grab the viewers how once you get something green like what you know what how is it going to stand out from the rest that's always a consideration and it is a challenge because it is getting harder and harder to get those green lights as an uh, you know as indies because you know you're all sort of competing with each other and there's um but then on the flip side I would say what is uh, you know a brilliant opportunity is there are so many more places to pitch things to now um so it's you know a script has a has a life and a chance in the pitching process I think because it goes across to so many um, different broadcasters and you know it might just be the exact thing they're looking for at that time if you're lucky so I would say I would probably say those are the biggest challenges and opportunities that I certainly think about day to day. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight. I am looking forward to the tourist and boat story sounds fantastic too. Oh, thank, you. thank you very much. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future about other projects. Fantastic, Anna. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.